Hello, everyone. Welcome to We Had the Talk. My name is Kiana Brooks. And my name is Jasmine Brooks. And together, we are your hosts of We Had the Talk, a podcast focused on encouraging others to have the tough conversations that people typically shy away from. Working to uncover biases and challenge the narrative, one conversation at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of We Had the Talk. Today, we have with us two very special guests, our little sister, Nicole Brooks, and our close family friend, Glenn March. Hi. Hi. Excited. Yes. (laughs) This week's podcast episode is entitled, We Had the Talk About Being Black and Gen Z. So who better to have this talk with than two Gen Z members themselves? But in all seriousness, last week, Jasmine led us through a riveting conversation on what it's like to be Black in a pandemic. And so we would like to use today's podcast to dive even deeper into what that looks like as a teenager. How does the future generation differ from our own and will they save us all? No pressure, guys. (laughs) And beyond that, we really just wanted to have Nicole and Glenn on today's episode today to learn more about their perspective and to bring to light some of the unique experiences associated with being Black and Gen Z. So without further ado, Nicole... Glenn, can you both please introduce yourselves for our listeners? Nikki, you first. Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm the younger sister. I'm currently a senior in high school, and I'm about to turn 18 years old. I'm really happy to be here. I've seen how hard you guys have worked these past few months, and I'm really thankful to be a part of it. We're happy to have you. Um, Glenn, what about you? Hi, my name is Glenn March. I just turned 17. Um, I'm going into my senior year of high school. And, you know, I'm really excited to be here. There's a lot, a lot went down this year, a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack. So I'm excited to do that. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we can just jump straight in here. Um, This week's podcast is all about Gen Z. So we have some questions here that we're going to ask you and Nicole Um, and just talk through together. Okay. So first, I know you guys gave us a brief intro, but for our listeners who have heard a lot about Kiana and I and our views on being Black in white spaces, what do you all think your perspective is on being Black in today's world? I mean, I can go first. Um, No, personally, I've had a lot of, um, like, tricky situations, I think, just because my education, I started in a private school environment. So I've always been like one of like five or four black kids in a grade every year. And, you know, you get a lot of like looks and judgment for acting a certain way or for not acting a certain way, or, you know, like simple things like music or like the way you, you hold yourself or talk. It's like both sides, like white people and black people have a lot of like things they want to say and so it gets tricky Mm -hmm. to how you hold yourself but like I'm proud to be black and that will never change it's just like dealing with everything that comes along with it in like today's age yeah and kind of dealing with seeming from both sides the world trying to just define who you are based on your race yeah I, I completely agree it's like everyone wants to be the counsel of what it means to be black especially exactly right at high school you got you can't at all. You have black people saying if you don't do this, so you might not be as black. You got white people saying, defining what it means to be black. It's confusing, especially in that type of setting um, where it's one of five, where it, it 
it's hard to navigate. And for me, it was really hard to connect back to my roots and to see, okay, this is, I was always one of five. So what is it like to not be one of five? Yeah. And so what did you guys find were some of the more specific things that people were trying to define as being black or not being black enough? What are some of the things even from white people or black people that you all were getting? I mean, a lot of the things I got was like music um, because it's like, I just personally like to listen to whatever vibe I'm in at the moment. And it's like, I find a lot of times, like if I don't know like the lyrics to like a rap song or if I don't, like and not able to reference that in our in a conversation or look at a picture of you know a rapper then people are like oh really you don't know that like how could you not know that and then it's like people look at my playlist and they're like well you have like country songs on there and it's like yeah sometimes when I'm driving on the highway and I have my windows down like a good song will just hit at the right moment um and so you find yourselves like I would I know I find myself a lot of the times like changing the channel really fast like when someone gets in the car, I'm like, that's not my song or like turning off like Spotify, you can see what your friends are listening to. So I always have that off because I'm like, I don't feel like catching (laughs) judgment for that. Definitely music. Um, I think extracurricular activities that kind of came up with writing a lot and versus playing sports or um, doing something along those lines. And it was it's just really weird to see um, how much happens in high school that just really isn't that serious. But people make such an issue like, oh, if you're not listening to that song, you're not black. Oh, you're it's like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> I know. It's definitely something Jasmine and I have talked about, too, um, just dealing with different judgments and perceptions from both the in-group and the out-group. But, you know, hopefully we can dive into here some more. Of, of what we love about being black and also just some of the challenges you guys face specifically being Gen Z. So to that note, the next question is all about social media. And social media is obviously one of the major differentiating factors between Gen Z and older generations, especially given how prevalent it is in your early adolescence. So how do you think social media has impacted your view on diversity and inclusion? And do you think it is helping or hurting in greater society? Yeah, I think it's helping and hurting um, because it's so algorithmic that Mm -hmm. two different, two completely different people with completely different set of values can find a community on different apps. So whether it's TikTok, let's say it's someone who is coming out to their family and they're liking a bunch of different posts and then they find all this love and this inclusivity and it's beautiful versus someone who's liking hate speech posts and then they're just be fl- being flooded with that content over and over and over again. So I think it is both good and bad. It's just tough when the algorithm doesn't challenge your beliefs. It, it lets you find people who you just perfectly communicate with. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think I was kind of looking at it from like, I know like Instagram like is very similar. Like your feed is going to be types of things that you've liked in the past or things that people you follow have liked. So, you know, you have that in common. But I feel like 
with everything that's been going on today, I feel like a lot of, or at least people I know are starting to use like their social media as a way of calling attention to things that are going on. And so through that, I've been able to meet a lot of people who I wouldn't have been able to meet, you know, in day-to-day life. So that has been really interesting because there really hasn't been that before because, you know, like Glenn said, it's really based on what you follow, what you like, and that's what you're going to see in the future. So I think that aspect of it is starting to change as people start to, you know, view social media and it's rolled differently. No, I definitely appreciate both of your responses there. For a little bit deeper, what do you all think social media, how how has social media impacted your self-esteem or your overall identity? Do you all find that being exposed to social media at such a young age has led you to perhaps even compare yourselves to others or in what ways has it impacted how you act or how you dress or anything related to your self-esteem? That's a good question. I'm putting you guys on the spot here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know like for being a girl, obviously, like there's a lot of pressure that goes into just like having an Instagram page and having a feed and seeing like models and then working really hard to not compare yourself to that body type. But it's like, I try and tell myself that, um, you know, like people's Instagrams or people's TikToks or Snapchats or whatever are less than probably like a third of their actual life. Like it's what they choose to share with you and choose to share with the world. Um, And obviously they're going to choose to put out the positive things that happen, the positive things that happen in their life. And they're not going to put out, you know, their like daily cry that they have, you know? So it's like Mm -hmm. remembering that that's not what a real life is. And that's not what you can compare yourself to because you go through ups and downs and people only choose to share the ups. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And my sister, uh, my oldest sister, Cammie, kind of said something along those lines to me about a few weeks ago. And she was saying that it's just a lot to manage. Um, a lot of different people doing different things, and especially with college, when everyone's trying to define themselves and everyone's trying to figure out, it's just a lot going on. <laughs> just take a step yeah, back sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it can be it can be a lot to keep up with. And that's where you know that that question came to mind so easily because I just remember when I was in high school and Instagram was, you know, the new thing and just everyone felt the need to tweet every part of their <laughs> life. And so, you know, just this, but that was towards the end of high school for me. So I couldn't imagine going through trying to figure myself out and really seeing all of you know, all of my followers, all my friends, everyone else, and and just the opportunities to compare yourself um, to that as well. And so thank you, you guys for those perspectives. Yeah. And I mean, just to add on there, I think it's interesting, because even to your earlier point, social media in some ways amplifies the social pressures when it comes to how you're perceived, you know, you're cataloging your day of what you're doing a lot of times. (laughs) So it's just like, on full yeah. display for people to either criticize mm-hmm. or appreciate. And, you know, like Nicole, to Nicole's point, a lot of times you might find yourself monitoring what type of image you are portraying mm-hmm. because you feel that, you know, external judgment in a way um, to fit into what society thinks we should be doing or <laughs> what, you know, <laughs> what we should be listening to, for example. But, 
Is there one kind of, if you could give a take home point there for listeners struggling perhaps with social media or with comparison or self-esteem in regards to social media, do you all have one kind of take home point of advice that you would give listeners? I guess like when you hang out with another person, no one really cares about what you post on your social media. Mm-hmm. And I think like when we're isolated, the weight is so much more because it it's our only way to interact now. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it doesn't really matter that much. I'd say that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So switching gears a little bit, Nicole, we can start with you when it comes to political organizing. We know that you and your friends have always jumped at the opportunity to contribute, especially considering the series of Black Lives Matter protests that occurred over the past year. What has motivated you to get involved and how has it made you feel seeing your friends from all backgrounds joining in to help? Um, Yeah. So, you know, obviously over COVID, um, there was a Juneteenth protest and my school friend group that I have is myself and then seven other girls and I am the only black person in that friend group um and so it was kind of moving to see how all of them you know came to me to want to be involved um in helping with the protests like none of us could go because we didn't feel safe going into such a big crowd at that time but we all knew that we wanted to help and for me it was because like I was saying I'm starting to use like my Instagram platform as like a place to show the depth of the situation that you know I'm in and that everyone is in right now and it was just really nice to have them come to me and be like hey we want to be involved what can we do so we made some we made about like 70 80 posters that just had you know quotes it had voter registration information we made a website um with everything on the candidates you know democratic and republic because we don't want to just limit people's view like we want you to be involved and then choose and not you know have us choose for you um, and we donated milk, um, because people unfortunately were getting tear gassed. And so we wanted people to have resources, to take care of themselves, first aid kits, um, granola bars, everything like that. Um, and we drove up and we met the organizers of the protests and gave them all the supplies. And it was just really nice to feel involved, even though we couldn't be there and to just know that we had a role in that and had a role in something that was just so moving and so important in, you know, Black people's progress and in Atlanta um, was just really important to me. And I'm just really glad that I was, that I have friends that support me like that and want to know me like that. So it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, it was honestly so moving, Nicole, to see um, you and your friends and just how everyone was rallying together. I think that was the main thing for Jasmine and I even was that it was kind of one of the first times that we saw so much outward support from both groups of people. Um, But Glenn, I'd be interested to see, you know, how it was in your world. You're in California. So, you know, was it different for you? How were um, the protests and were you able to get involved? Um, Yeah, I wish I had an answer like that. That was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) over here, it was... Similar with social media, um, just an outpour of everyone expressing how they felt. Um, protests happening everywhere. And then here our ICU rates went down and then they just spiked so drastically. So it was really weird to see as everyone was there and even talking to everyone. Everyone really kind of understood 
but was at risk, but they were going anyways. I wasn't able to go at the time. Um, for me, it was kind of like the podcast, trying to get that together on our end and figure out how to get that platform going and tap into some other social issues. But mm-hmm. it it's kind of like social media puts this responsibility mm-hmm. on everyone to do something. Mm-hmm. And especially during that, gigantic worldwide protest it's just you think 20 years down the line you want to tell someone where you were when it happened Mm -hmm. and how to convey that message and not stand idle is I was talking with my sister she was she was having a hard time with grappling with that she was like I'm not doing enough I don't I don't know what I should be doing I don't know where how to judge myself and it was hard to find that balance Yeah. And, you know, just I can't help but think just listening to both of your responses. It's just one, this is incredible in any way that you all have been involved. But also, Key, don't you remember when we were seniors in high school and all we were wondering was what to wear to impress that Mm -hmm. person at school the next day? And it's like, this is the reality for 17, 18, perhaps even younger children now, where now it's, I need to start a podcast or I need to be involved or I need to put my health at risk during a pandemic that's disproportionately impacting my people to stand up for rights for my people. And I think it's just absolutely incredible to hear both of you, how you've chosen to handle that. Because again, just doing anything shows so much, let alone trying to create platforms, Glenn, or trying to go into these spaces, Nicole. It's just it's incredible. And, and I just want to take a minute to yeah respect that because I feel like for us, when we were that age, this was so far, we, we just, and you know, what that pressure must do for you all. Um, it, it's just incredible to hear. So thank you, you guys for those. Yeah. For sure. yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because in a lot of ways, I think, you know, we see all the memes and there's so much talk about, um, you know, how, I don't know if you guys have seen them or if they're more targeted to our generation jazz, but mm-hmm. that it's like when we were 13, what we look like versus what yeah. 13 year olds look like now. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, we were not in a lot of ways, we weren't concerned about also our appearance and, and, and our, you know, how cool we could dance or if we knew all these trends. <laughs> So there weren't those pressures in that way, but a lot of people don't look at it in this other regard of, okay, we didn't have the social pressures to wear makeup, but we also weren't protesting and risking mm-hmm. our lives. Right. So it's interesting to see that, you know, people don't give Gen Z a lot of cred when it comes to the added amount of responsibility that comes with these platforms. Mm-hmm. That's not only, yes. you know, yeah. superficial <laughs> and, and materialistic. Yeah. But yeah, so kind of shifting gears again here, when we're thinking about these, you both have mentioned how you have different groups of friends and, and there's a lot of pressures that kind of come with that. But when it when it comes to challenges that you face with your black friends or with your white friends, how do those differ and how do you guys navigate both of those groups? So Really, I have like three different friend groups. One is all white except for me, and then one is all black and one's mixed. Um, and I, it's at times it's really really hard to juggle 
all of my friends because I love them all and they all mean so much to me and they're all so important but it's like you don't want to feel like you're giving one too much attention and like you're neglecting the other but then it's also like really hard for them to all combine especially during COVID because meeting with groups is already so risky and so combining those groups is just like not possible um and already seeing people is so much harder and it it's just you're struggling inside because you don't want to feel like you're leaving anyone out but then you spread yourself too thin and then you can't give your friends the attention that they deserve and that you should be able to give them and like you also I know personally like I also you know catch hate from people who aren't my friends who are just like oh your Instagram like has a lot of white people on it like do you have any black friends like is that even a question that should be asked like you don't know me my Instagram is like 24 pictures ranging from now to 2014 so (laughs) how is that even a possible assumption that you could make um yeah yeah (laughs) that's a really good answer uh for me it was almost like the opposite I kind of everything shrank down every group and I kind of enjoyed it every fake person I was just like you know I'm just gonna take a little bit longer to respond to that message (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so I was able to kind of shrink the group down to like four people um and realize especially when the protests were happening how many people didn't really care yeah and Mm -hmm. it would be like everyone posting something on their story and then someone make a friends only story and then post like hanging out at the Uh beach i'm like okay so that's that's where your mind is at right (laughs) (laughs) yeah a hundred percent yeah care to the world but for your close friends you're partying yeah (laughs) exactly exactly and it yeah i just like especially with um a lot of the people that I felt didn't understand the issue. There was a point where I was trying to fight it. And then I was just like, wait a second. If you, if that person doesn't understand the issue, then they just don't understand me. And then I was just like, all right, bye. And I just just, (laughs) start moving different. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I think you touched on an important point there, Glenn is kind of like, I feel like when it, when national attention to race and racism in particular increases to the level that it did last year, it creates those environments where it's like, now you start to ask yourselves, do you really see me? And, and do you really see me including my blackness or, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I feel like that introduces a really big dilemma, I guess, that has emerged for a lot of people this year is, is how do you explain as a black person, what this means to have gone through this and, yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you explain that? And how do you, what do you do with that when you feel like your friend isn't understanding or respecting that? Yeah. I think it's really interesting too, to hear the different kind of responses mm-hmm. that float around, you know, <laughs> you, have the, yeah. you have the concerned friend, right? The one who really wants to get it. Like they, yeah. re- they try really everything, it, right? ask a million questions. Exactly. But then you also have the one who, you know, wants to not see color or, or yeah. Oh no. (laughs) It's like, I don't see race. We're all equal. Like we, Mm -hmm. it's love. Trust me. I just think of you as my friend, nothing Mm -hmm. else. 
And so I think to Jasmine's point, this year, this past year was such a pivotal moment for, I think, a lot of us who have mixed friend groups to say, okay, you know, who is actually valuing what I bring to the table in terms of my Blackness and in in all of what that means, not ignoring it, not looking past it, you know, seeing it for what it is and valuing it, or at least showing interest in understanding what that means for us. And so it's really inspiring to hear that you guys have, you know, been able to do that in your own friend groups, whether it be with you, Glenn, you know, narrowing it down a bit (laughs) or or with Nicole, you being able to, you know, in a very fortunate position where you're already surrounded yeah. by so much love and so much support. So very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now diving a little deeper into the current political climate. So Trump's second run for presidency mm-hmm. was obviously a very significant part of both of your high school experiences. How did the election shape your friendships or at least the conversations that you had between you and your friends? And even more to that, how did it shape your own beliefs? Um, I think like kind of like what I was saying you know before I got I don't like to say I got lucky because I feel like my friends and I found each other at a time when we needed each other a lot and but because of that you know we were able they were able to come to me and want to understand what I was going through like in depth not just like hey like I'm sorry like we sat and we watched commercials after commercials of like, that is not an accurate portrayal at all. And like, we watched live streams of podcasts and went in through everything, like went through like bills that were trying to be passed, like everything, like going really deep into them trying to understand the things that they have that I don't have. But then it's also like, I did have those friends who, you know, posted a black square yeah. and then that was all they did. <laughs> and they were like, okay, I, posted, I posted a black square. And then, you know, an hour later, like you were saying, Glenn posted on their Instagram story, like, I'm at the beach, life's great, you know? And it's like, like, even with the Capitol, like people who, because I think there's a difference in, you know, voting for Trump when he first ran and voting for him now and like voting for him for a second term, because, you know, I'll give you the first term, you know, and that's generous. we we yeah, still don't need very generous. Like we can we can we'll find a way to move past that, but it's the continued support for me. Also, I believe there's a difference between being a Trump supporter and being a Republican because mm-hmm. there's I I have a lot of friends who are Republican and you know they voice their opinions to me. Like I said, they explain why they were that route, but that they weren't Trump supporters. And I was like, that's all I'm saying. Like I'm not like. I'm not not being friends with you because you're Republican. I'm not not being friends with you because you're white. I'm choosing to remove you from my life because you've continued to show that you don't care about the situation. You don't care about learning something. You don't care about growing as a human being. And that's when it starts to, you know, like Glenn said, get to the dwindling down is because it doesn't matter what your political views are, what your like life situation is you should be able to agree on human rights and basic decency and if you can't do that and if you can't try to do that then there's no reason for us to be at all related and it's like you know cancel culture or whatever but it's like it is what it is it is is what it is yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i completely agree with that answer um for me i ended up going deeper as well um, trying to understand 
every single race, uh, the Ossoff Warnock race, the the numbers and trying to understand where the Democratic Party stood everywhere and just going way too politically deep to the point where it was two in the morning and I was watching yeah. CNN. <laughs> incredible i mean that, right? we were like not i mean <laughs> wow it's just it, to think that you guys are so involved and so aware i mean glenn you live in california to be aware of a georgia senate race is something i never would have been you know watching the news until 2 a.m to see right? but, but, but it's like think about how much is is re- is relying on this mm-hmm. right that exactly this trump in particular has now okay. brought where now the difference between a Senate majority, it, it, it's just, it's unbelievable what Trump has caused us to do in terms of paying attention to politics, like you're saying, even from exactly. a young age, even from teenage years to where now you're on the edge of your seat, not to find out, right, about, about your crush or a friend, but to find out about the, an election. To That's what's yeah. driving your worry at this young age now is just... That's how much we're, we're holding on this anxiety about the future of our nation, right? And the future of our people and just what this means for us to feel safe going to school and leaving our house. And crazy, it's, right? It's crazy. And it's so interesting to think that we're having this conversation and we're at this point so soon after it seems like we were electing our first black president. Right. Yeah. That's the just key. Having that conversation. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because when we think about that was middle school for us, or from right. in that was the conversation of victory and of triumph and of how, you know, that was our point of maximum involvement, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were like, okay, guys, let's get moving. How can we campaign? We gotta get yeah. elected. And that was, you know, such a significant moment in our adolescence. And then to think so soon after right. we are in a completely opposite point, mm-hmm. but it's almost like it took a black man getting to a position of power mm-hmm. to uh-huh. scare white America to becoming white nationalists and form and you know really embodying the hatred that they stand for but it's just it's it's interesting to see that we've come so far in and also gone backwards in some ways I agree it's really weird it's like being black in today's era today's generation it's like being shoulder to shoulder with those who hate you like we've done all the incredible things black president about to have a black female president we've pulled down the moon but Mm. we've we've been empowered but not realized oh wait a second 70 million people don't feel that way (laughs) and it's just weird yeah (laughs) exactly when you think of how close this was right when you think of the fact that it came down to these nail-biting right elections it's it's definitely still says a lot that even after 2020 even after seeing right trump's four years in office we now see that it's still close there still was an argument for a recount might have been completely invalid but he was still able to even make it yeah that margin Right? Wow. Incredible. But yeah, thank you guys for your answers there. Yeah. Well, finally, looking forward, I guess, a a little bit of optimism here, hopefully. Um, (laughs) How do you guys feel about the future of the United States in particular and about 
how we can get to a place of equity for black people. What do you think those next steps look like, whether it be, you know, within your own communities or on a grander scale? Um, I feel optimistic. You know, I was watching a John Kabat-Zinn mindfulness exercise thing, and it was talking about when everything gets hectic, just being aware is progress enough. And I think that's what this year kind of has been. We've just become aware. And even though we've realized how much, how many terrible things there are that we didn't realize before (laughs) or where things really stand, we just saw the largest global protest ever. Mm-hmm. And Georgia just went blue. 800,000 people registered. All this, like, all this progress, all these silver linings. There, there's there's a lot to smile about, I feel yeah, like. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It's like the, you know, the attack on the Capitol was the first time that a majority of white people were able to see that black and white people are not equal in this country, mm-hmm. you know, for literally almost every news channel to be like, this would not happen if it was a black lives matter protest. And for a majority of white people to agree with that statement has never happened before. And for it to happen now, when now Georgia's blue, you know, we have control of the Senate. We're finally getting him out of office. He's not going again. It's like, like you said, there was a lot to smile about. So I definitely am optimistic, but at the same time, like we shouldn't be here. You know, like we should, like you said, it shouldn't have been close. It shouldn't, he, like Biden should have won by a landslide, you know, and that is frustrating, but you have to be like, if you always look at the negatives, you'll never ever find good in any situation. So you have to look at the positives that you're getting, but you also have to stay realistic to the world that we unfortunately live in. Right. No. And I, and I agree so much, right. We saw, and I think Glenn, you touched on this a little bit of just the global response is so empowering. We have unlike never before seen so many people of so many races, so many backgrounds across the world fighting for black people that in and of itself deserves a moment of silence, right? Where now we're thinking we're just everyone's coming together. We just impeached a president for the second time. <laughs> the second time. Okay. It's almost comical. <laughs> second time, right? And so it's like when you focus on things like that, when you focus on now, say her name, right? This, people who have died, innocent people who have died, now their names are known across the world. And I think that and and what has resulted, the second March on Washington, I was able to go to that and just being able to see the flashback post to Martin Luther King and his mm-hmm. speeches on and, and now to think that this is where we are again, right? In 2020. But but what that means, all the people that came together in that moment to honor and to pledge to trying to make this country different. I think that that is definitely what I'm looking for, right, Key? And just mm-hmm. so I think that you guys definitely provided a lot of good feedback here. And I think, you know, this conversation was great just in terms of getting into what are some of the challenges of being Gen Z, but what are what are some of the things that y'all are grateful for, right? We, we were able to touch on a lot of that. And so thank you both for taking this time to do this deep talk with us about what it's like to be Black and Gen Z, especially in times like this. 
So moving into our call to action for this week's episode, as with all of our guest speakers, we've asked Nicole and Glenn to identify a goal for the listener. So Nicole, I believe you have a call to action for our listeners today. Yeah. um, So I think that the call to action for this episode should be to have a conversation with a teenager in your life about some of the unique pressures they might be facing in today's, you know, very tense and very politically charged society. Okay. Thank you. And Glenn, how about you? Okay. That was really good. Um, A call to action would, that I would give would probably be with everything going on in the world, pick one thing, just one thing and just really inform yourself on that and try and start from that point and then broaden out and that might help it I'll make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. No, thank you guys so much. That was perfect. And I think well said for from both of you there is just try to have one conversation with someone new, perhaps, about the challenges. And then, yeah, just try to start something new or try to do something new. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me as well. <laughs> All right, everyone. Remember, ignorance thrives in silence whereas understanding stems from conversation. So So start start talking. Again, my name is Jasmine Brooks. And my name is Kiana Brooks. And And we we are are your hosts of We Had the Talk. Remember to check out our Instagram page for some bonus content this week as Nicole and some of her friends lead a takeover of the We Had the Talk Instagram to discuss their opinion on this week's podcast. See you back here in two weeks for the sixth episode of We Had the Talk which will be another engaging episode with one of my close friends entitled We Had the Talk About Being Black and LGBTQ.